we're going to have our junior church uh, dismiss here uh, this morning carefully. Walk downstairs carefully. Today is officially on the calendar as Sanctity of Life Sunday. And uh, the uh, previous president, Donald Trump, uh, I believe initiated it as an official day on the calendar. And I appreciate that. It, I, I had heard of it, but I believe it's got an official day as a result of uh, his declaration. Um, Psalm 139, Psalm 139. I watched that video there and... And I think of, you know, they, he had a lot of love. He had a mom and a dad that were there, obviously. And uh, some people may justify different situations. Well, what about, a, what about a single mother? What about rape? What about incest? What about all these different scenarios? God knows exactly what's taking place on this earth at all time. And uh, there isn't any justification for murder. Uh, and we'll define murder here shortly. We'll see that uh, from the Word of God. Not all killing is murder. Uh, we'll see. But uh, Psalm 139, we're going to begin reading in verse number 13. We'll just read down through oh, maybe verse 18. Uh, we'll pray. We'll get right into the message here this morning. The Bible says, For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and thy soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which are in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Let's pray. Father, I need your help this morning. God, I pray that you would heal hurting hearts. God, I pray that you'd give victory. God, I pray that you'd open, maybe shed some light on a subject that is, I believe, very, uh, very important to you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, defend the innocent ones. God, I pray that you would uh, help us to defend the innocent ones. Help us to be spokesmen of yours. Help us to be mouthpieces for you. Help us to be prayer warriors in this effort uh, to abolish abortion, this modern genocide. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. I pray that you'd, you just would uh, be glorified in all that's said and done. May we bring honor and glory to you here today as we worship you. Uh, Lord, speak to hearts. Holy Spirit, seek those inner chambers of the heart and, and uh, scrub them with your blood, if you will. I pray that you'd cleanse us and help us and help us to think right. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Isn't it strange that we have set aside, we have to set aside a day to remember uh, the importance of human life? According to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service's website, there are 388 endangered animals and 129 threatened species in this world. Yet we set aside one day, and it's just of recent that we have a day uh, to acknowledge the importance and the sanctity of life, of human life, that is. I read Thursday 
uh, on this past Thursday that there is a newly elected governor, the governor of Virginia, uh, Glenn Youngkin. Uh, he confirmed his commitment to protecting unborn babies from abortion on Wednesday. Get this. This is what he did. He created in his newly new administration, he created a new ambassador for, for unborn children. Isn't that awesome? But at the same time, isn't it sad that that needs to take place? An ambassador for the unborn children. Um, he, he developed this put, uh, position in his administration, and that state largely was, I believe their previous governor was, uh, was of the uh, Democratic uh, uh, Democrat uh, leaning and, and a very liberal uh, at that. And so it's, 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 it's pretty awesome uh, for a conservative, uh, maybe God-fearing. I don't know his testimony, actually. I shouldn't say that. Uh, but uh, certainly uh, policies of pro-life. Um, how about uh, how about let's establish a federal one of these, a federal ambassador for the unborn? Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, but Americans have gone out of our way to protect all kinds of life. However, we've overlooked one species. We failed to protect human life. Since Roe versus Wade in 1973, over 60 million babies have been aborted. That is 1.5 million a year, 4,000 a day, one every 20 seconds. That'll be 120 babies approximately during this sermon alone, depending on how short I, how long I go. How many of those could have been the doctors that could have cured COVID? How many of those could have been doctors that have come up with a cure for cancer, been the next gospel preaching missionary to a, to a place where they've never heard the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe how many of those could have been the next preacher that uh, would have seen multitudes saved, but they were prematurely sent to their physical deaths. I do want to say this morning, maybe there's somebody here who's experienced an abortion, uh, maybe somebody has committed the murder, perhaps. Uh, I want to say this, with a sincere and loving heart as I possibly can, God has forgiveness and healing. God has forgiveness and healing. There is healing and help with Jesus. Although murder is a terrible sin, it is pardonable, and only Jesus can do that pardoning. God can restore, God can heal, God can help, and he desires to do so. He desires for us to think like him in this area of life. But what about sanctity of life? What does it mean to say the sanctity of life? What does it mean to say that life should be sanctified? It is set apart. Well, the word sanctity means this. It means the quality of being holy or sacred. The quality of being holy or sacred. Put, put simply, then, uh, sanctity of human life means this. It means that human life is set apart from all other life. Human life is unique. It's special. God created human life. Yes, God created other uh, types of life, other forms of life as well in and, and the creation. But God has set apart uh, the human race as a special, set-apart life 
for his honor and for his glory. Let me say this, human life is more valuable than a dog's life. Hope to have some amens in here. I love my dog too, and I've loved my dogs as I've uh, grown up, and oftentimes I've confided in my dog, and I've talked to Bo, and I've talked to Lonnie, and I've talked to Kona, and I, I've, uh, when I've had a bad day, I've come home, and there's always been a dog there that would be able to uh, at least act like he cares what I'm talking about, you know, and, and I've been able to talk to my dogs before, and I've often thought, man, I love this dog more than I love some humans. I'm just being honest. But God, in God's eyes, human life is more important than an animal's life. That goes for cats, too, especially. Man. Human life is more valuable. Human life is, is sanctified. It's, it's set apart. It's more valuable than any animal that God has allowed for meat, uh, for food. God created mankind in his image. In the image of God created he them, the Bible says. Human life is important. Human life is special. Human life is sanctified. It's set apart. For the glory of God. And so this morning, as we, uh, as we look at this idea of uh, sanctity of human life, the importance of human life, I want you to notice with me some of these facts of life. Number one, I want you to notice with me the mystery of life. The mystery of life. Billy Graham said this, No one has ever seen life itself. Its secret is hid with God. Scientists are searching for it. But find it not. No one has ever seen life itself leave the body. The mystery of life. I want you to consider this here this morning. When does life begin? That's the age-old question that if we were to decide uh, when does life in fact begin, that would settle this idea of was that actually killing a baby? Was that actually uh, killing? Were they old enough to be considered alive? Well, I'm going to say this at the very least, human life begins at conception. Human life begins at conception. I said at the very least does it begin. Because God says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before you had been conceived in the belly, the Bible says, God knew who you were. You were special in his eyes. Those 60 million babies that had premature uh, tickets to heaven, premature advances to heaven, God knew each and every one of them. And the only thing good, if I can say that, I say this tongue-in-cheek, the only thing good that ever comes out of abortion is the fact that those 60 million babies are in heaven right now. I believe according to the Bible. But we see the mystery. We see the mystery of life. When does life begin? That's the question of the ages that will settle the debate. It's said that if they had the technology or understanding when life began in 1973, abortion would have never been allowed as a heartbeat can now be detected as early as five and a half weeks old. Five and a half weeks old. Five and a half weeks old. I'd say that ought to be law on every single book in this country uh, that abortion should not take place after five and a half weeks old, at the very least. Because that's a factual account that we have scientifically. 
And I say there should be no abortion whatsoever because life takes place before conception according to God. The word of God was around then and still confirms the same thing it did in 1973. The psalmist here, David, wrote in verse, Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, For thou hast possessed my reins. What does that mean? That Our reins is the, our seat of emotion, our, our heart, perhaps, if you will. And, and uh, he says, uh, uh, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and thy soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. So, uh, Jeremiah chapter four, uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 4 says this, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before their camp, thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. If you read Genesis uh, chapter 1 and 2, we understand that man is the crown of God's creation, the Bible says. Man is the crown of God's creation and that human life is sacred and God created man personally and intimately uh, to reflect God and to glorify God himself. A dog can't glorify God. A cat can't glorify God. Other animals can't glorify God necessarily. Man can. Man can willingly choose to glorify God. Uh, Tim LaHaye wrote, during the early days of Adolf Hitler, uh, during his rise to power in Germany, he invited a number of pastors and community leaders uh, to a personal meeting with their new leader. As he laid out his vision for a new Germany, including the elimination of the Jews and other races, uh, only one young pastor objected. What about the soul of Germany, the pastor asked. Hitler said, you take care of your church and leave the soul of Germany to me. Unfortunately, that's exactly what most church people in Germany did. They went about their normal religious duties and their rituals while the Fuhrer stole the hearts of Germans and corrupted the soul of Germany and much of the rest of Europe was spiritually dead. Life, I want to say this morning, that life is the responsibility of a Christian to, number one, to propagate, number two, to perpetuate. We are to stand for life. Just because there's a man-made law that allows something, that, uh, allows something to happen doesn't mean that it's okay. We are to perpetuate life. We are to propagate life. First of all, yes, we're to reproduce after our kind, uh, but then we're to share the gospel and reproduce after our spiritual kind as well. If I can say this, we are, uh, we are to be spiritual fruit, uh, spiritually fruitful. We are to multiply. We are to propagate life, both physically and spiritually. It's a responsibility that we have. We see number here, we see the mystery of life. We see the mystery of life. 
R.C. Sproul said this in his book, Abortion. When the church calls on the state to prohibit, prohibit abortion, the state is not being asked to establish a religion, nor is the state being asked to be the church. The church is simply asking the state to be the state. If it is the role of the state to protect, to sustain, and maintain human life, and if it is the conviction of the church that abortion involves the destruction of human life, then it follows that the church has the right to call the state to outlaw abortion. The church is not to ask the state to baptize human beings, but to protect the lives of unborn humans. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to stand for life. It's our responsibility to perpetuate life, both physically and spiritually. We see the mystery of life in our passage here. Number two, I want you to notice the mockery of life. The mockery of life, unfortunately. Look in uh, verse number uh, 19, Psalm 139, verse 19. David, the psalmist, he writes this. He says, surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine, uh, thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. And am not I grieved with those that rise up against me. I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. I want you to note here, excuse me, note here the description of the wicked ones in these verses. No, the Bible calls them bloodthirsty men. Bloodthirsty men. I want you to think about our society today. You know, it may not be that when you think of a bloodthirsty person, uh, maybe in, in biblical accounts here, what are you thinking of when you think of a bloodthirsty person? It's not just a savage army. It's not just the, uh, the Philistines that are trying to destroy the Jews. I don't, just, I don't think that necessarily. You're thinking in Bible times, what is a bloodthirsty person, a bloodthirsty man? And how does it translate to our society today? Yeah, we've had serial killers that I would consider bloodthirsty men, but altogether, what is a bloodthirsty person in our society? Somebody who has devalued human life. Somebody has not realized the sanctity of that life. The Bible calls them bloodthirsty men who speak against God wickedly. And take his name in vain. Oh, that's just a fetus. Oh, that's just, uh, those, are just uh, uh, those are just a cluster of cells, a clump, a clump of cells. That's, that's, not a, that's not a living person. Five and a half weeks, the heartbeat is detected. Most abortions happen after that time frame. They make a mockery of life. According to William Shirer, in the rise and fall of the Third Reich, I'm going to give you some, uh, we're talking, you see the parallel here regarding, uh, uh, regarding uh, Holocaust, regarding, uh, um, uh, regarding Holocaust in general here. According to William Shire, uh, the rise and fall of the Third Reich, German citizens were allowed only two options in religion. To acknowledge Hitler and the Nazi party as their only secular religion or to worship Thor and Odin and the other old gods. In all Christian churches, the Bible was replaced on the altar or the lectern with Hitler's book, 
Who knows what Hitler's book is? Mein Kampf. And uh, the cross of Christ on the central wall facing the congregation uh, was replaced with the German officer's sword. Many of the Orthodox Lutheran pastors uh, resigned at this point. Uh, some would join the underground confessing churches, uh, church, and, and uh, these uh, many would end their lives in concentration camps. Uh, they were replaced in churches with loyal Nazi party members wearing military uniforms in a place of clerical vestments. Uh, many of the more theological liberal clergy uh, simply donned the brown uniforms and began preaching Mein Kampf. It is said, maybe you've heard this before, it is said that abortion is the Holocaust and the slavery of our day. I pray that my generation brings about the abolition to this abomination. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor in Germany who was first imprisoned and later executed by hanging by the Nazis during World War II. Just a few weeks, how many have heard that name before? Just a few weeks before the end of the war, Nazi policy was to execute all prisoners before the arrival of the Allies, before their liberating armies could free them. Pastor Martin Neimoller reportedly, he shared these words with a group of students in 1946. In answers to the question, uh, these questions here, why didn't the churches get involved? He said this, first they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for the communists, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. And then when they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Think about the unborn. Who's to speak for them? We are. We believe in sanctity of life. We believe in uh, the, the propagation of life. We believe in the perpetuation of life, both physically and spiritually. This morning it remains true that the only thing necessary for, the, uh, for triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. For nearly 50 years we've made little to no progress in the abolition of baby murder. Yes, I've prayed, and I know you've prayed, and I know as a church corporately we've prayed, and, and we need to continue to do so. Uh, there is progress, I believe. There is progress on the horizon and in, uh, in, the, uh, in, the elector, in the election systems, if I can even uh, say that. But, uh, but uh, we, need to, we need to pray for the abolition of this. Uh, we need to be a voice uh, for those that can't be a voice for themselves. W.G.T. Shedd wrote this, An evil heart, if not restrained by divine grace, is uh, certain to act wrongly. Solomon said in Proverbs 4, uh, verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said this, for out of the heart proceedeth evil, thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, 
false witness, blasphemies. These are things which defile a man. We're allowing the unregenerate society to form laws that shouldn't be there. How's it going to change? How is it going to happen when we perpetuate that life? By sharing the gospel, by people getting regenerate themselves, by the Holy Spirit of God taking residence uh, in, the, in the hearts of those uh, that uh, during salvation, and then thinking and having the mind of Christ. Speaking. In Genesis chapter 4, I'm not, I won't uh, take time to, to uh, turn or read there, uh, but uh, from verses uh, 1 through 15, it's the account of uh, the first murder, Cain and Abel. You're familiar with the story that uh, God would like one of them to bring their offerings uh, to the Lord. And um, Abel brought the first fruits of, the, uh, uh, of his offering. The Bible says that, that uh, Cain didn't bring the first fruits, and God accepted Abel's offering. God, what did God do? He rejected um, Cain's offering. The Bible says that uh, Cain got upset, he got angry, he got jealous, and and uh, I believe pride was involved there. And and uh, Cain uh, took uh, upon himself to rise up, kill his own brother. As a result, he got the first murder in history. Brother against a brother. Very sad. Cain was guilty of murder, which is sometimes called homicide in the courtrooms today. But I want to say this regarding uh, killing. Not all killing is murder. Innocent killing is murder. There are instances of killing such as self-defense, national defense, capital punishment that are not the same as murder. Matthew records in Matthew chapter 2, verse 15, it talks about Herod the king. And, and uh, we, uh, we saw this in uh, the Christmas story as we preached uh, through that and, uh, during Christmas time. But what was the decree that Herod had made uh, to the people? Because he, didn't, he knew there was a, a Messiah that was foretold that was going to come. And he was trying to take it upon himself to eliminate that Messiah from coming. And so what did he do? What did he do, Sammy, uh, to, uh, to try to keep the Messiah from coming? made a decree to kill all the babies two years old and under. Well, that's murder. Abortion is a form of infanticide or the murder of children. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so uh, this morning we see the mystery of life and the sanctity of it. We see, number two, the mockery of life and the sanctions of Satan against life. Number one this morning, uh, if you're here and you're not saved, Satan doesn't want you to get saved. Satan doesn't want you to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. He wants to continue uh, for you to have doubts about your salvation. He wants to continue, he wants you to continue to question, am I really saved? Have I received Jesus Christ as my Savior? Do I have forgiveness of my sins? Have I uh, confessed that I'm a sinner and received God's Son as my Savior? He wants you to doubt that. And he wants you to keep, he wants to keep you from getting 
saved. But if you are saved, He still wants to kill you. He wants you to shame the name of Christ. He wants, to, he wants you as a representative, a representative of Jesus to, uh, to not bring glory to God, to not glorify Him with your life. And He wants to kill you. We see Satan's sanctions against life. And then number three, this morning, we see the mastery of life, the mastery of life. I want you to notice... Uh, uh, look at uh, verses, uh, let's see here. <clears throat> For sake of time, look at verse number, look at verse number 10. But actually, to be born once, I want you to get this, to be born once, it makes you a member of the family of man. Catch that. Look up at the screen there. It's a good, that'd be a good little thing to write in your Bible and the fly leaf of your Bible, maybe. To be born once makes you a member of the family of man. To be born twice makes you a member of the family of God. If you had that second birth, those of the family of man are only two-thirds alive. What do you mean by that? Well, our your, your soul perhaps has got some life. Soul is our mind, emotions, and will, but your spirit does not have life. Your, your, your physical being may, may have life, and that's the, that's the two-thirds there. The spirit needs life. How does the spirit receive life? When we receive Christ as Savior, Holy Spirit of God comes and takes residence in us. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, as, uh, as opposed to what, uh, Satan, uh, as, as what Satan has come for, Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. To understand and master life, uh, we must be born again. But not only that, there is more to the Christian life. God desires to give us an abundant life. An abundant life, not just mulling around in the muck and mud and mire and not just mulling around and, and uh, being useless and helpless and under bondage and, and uh, all the time under conviction of sin. No, we need to confess that sin and forsake that sin and desire to walk in the Holy Spirit of God and the power of the Holy Spirit of God and He wants to give us victory. To understand and master life, a person must be born again. With this thought on the mastery of life, I want you to consider this here this morning. I want us to see some further truths from our past. Number one, the meaning of life. The meaning of life. And that's, uh, I wanted you to look at verse number 10. Uh, but let me read verse 3 here. It's so good. Thou hast compassed, uh, compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. God's acquainted with all your ways, everything about you. How many hairs are on your head? How many hairs have departed? How many, how many, he knows your name. He's got, an, he's got another name for you. He's got another name that he probably calls you. He knows you by your earthly name, uh, but the Bible says when we get saved, we get a new, we get another name. 
Uh, let's skip down here. Verse number nine. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall uh, thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be a light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, uh, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. David's son Solomon, he shared his discovery of of the meaning of life as he was searching. If you're familiar with this story, he 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 was wealthy. He was wise. He made foolish choices uh, sometimes. But he, the Bible, Ecclesiastes, if you haven't read it, a powerful book just just uh, to consider reading uh, there if you're not familiar. Uh, he searched out for the purpose and the meaning of life, and he finally came to the conclusion after he had gotten wealth, after he had gotten women, after he would gotten all of the things that his, his uh, flesh could possibly lust after, he decided that it was all vanity and vexation of spirit, and this is the conclusion, the wise conclusion that he came to in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. What is the mastery of life, or what is the meaning of life? Number uh, 13, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. You know, that, that looks like just a big, do this and don't do this. There is so much wrapped in it. There's so much joy in doing the things of God. So much there is joy in the pursuit of God. There's joy in the in the pursuit of trying to please God, fear God, and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. We see the uh, the meaning of life. Number two, we see the mission of life. The mission of life. David the psalmist he prays this in our passage. Look at verses number seventeen and eighteen. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. The mission of life is to think God's thoughts after him. It's a key element of discernment. And if we fail to think God's thoughts after him, we are merely following philosophy based on humanism. We're reasoning about ourselves. We're reasoning about, if, if you're not saved especially, and I got uh, talked to somebody. You talk to anybody about the things of God, unsaved people, you're going to learn that there's pride, and pride will get them to say some. You just you got to. I've got to sometimes got to keep from saying how how dumb are you? You know, that's that's uh, what I what I want to. What I what I want to say and what I should say are two different things. But people got some whacked out ideas, and when you leave the uh, uh, the uh, unregenerate mind to people, that's how we get these wild and crazy ideas. That's how we got a myriad of religions uh, because of the unregenerate hearts, the 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 failing of looking to the truth of God's word. Well, the mission of life. I got sidetracked there. Uh, uh, Mission of life is to think God's thoughts after him. Either self is on the throne of our lives or Jesus Christ is on the throne of our lives. Unless we're trusting and unless we're obeying him by submitting to his word, we're blazing our own trails outside of the will of God. You've got to be careful of that. 
That's why church is important. That's why getting into, that's why personal time in God's word is, is so important. And I, I, if, I could, if I could force you to, I'd force you to get into God's word. I think Brother Dave, uh, we're talking about this sometime, the importance of trying to connect to God's word. And one of the reasons is because so many wild and crazy beliefs out there, they don't, they don't go along with this. The meaning of life, the mission of life. Getting sidetracked again. First John chapter two, verse fifteen. The Bible says this, uh, and uh, this is a this is a reminder uh, for us to consider: love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The will of God is that you'd get saved. The will of God is that you'd fear God and keep his commandments. Live for him. We ought to live with the desire uh, for the Lord, uh, uh, for the Lord uh, to say to us, as Matthew uh, 25, verse 21 says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. For thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Lastly, I want you to notice here, and we're done. The music of life. We see the mission of life. We see the mastery of life. We see the mastery of life. Within that, we see uh, the, the mission of life. Um, and some other M. And then, but lastly, we see the music of life. The music of life. God desires for you to enjoy life. God desires for you to serve him with gladness, Serve him with joy. Serve him without man thinking of it's a it's a it's a, 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 a being a, a a bond servant or or that he's a taskmaster master to us. He desires for us to live with and for him. David prays this prayer here in Psalm uh, one hundred and thirty nine. Look at verse twenty three. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David was the musician of Israel who was chosen to play for, uh, for King uh, Saul over his evil spirit, if you remember that. But uh, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, as we're filled with the Spirit of God, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things for unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. The music of life. The music of life is for God. Evelyn Christensen, she wrote the following. She says, I'm not afraid of death because I know it can be a blessing. It is humanism to think that the best that could ever happen to us is here on this earth. You catch that? It's humanism 
to think that your best life is going to take place on this physical earth. Folks, we've got all of eternity ahead of us if we're saved. She said this, I view death as a coronation. My death will be a victory. I want the hallelujah chorus sung at my funeral. I don't want to leave my family, but I know it's going to be a fantastic thing on the other side. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 21, he says, To live is Christ, and to die is gain. The keys of death are in Jesus' hands, not in Satan's anymore. When I die, I'm going to get my crown and I'm going to go live with Jesus. I'm going to be able to touch his hand. I'm going to be able to see him. I'm going to be able to see God face to face. And uh, I'm going to get to go live with Jesus. We'll see our kids that have gone before us in miscarriage. We'll get to see those 60 million babies that left earth earlier than they should have. I'll see my grandpa, my dad's, my uncle, my sister. That's what death is from this earth. The goodness afterwards. There are many people whose lives seem to have been prematurely snuffed out. When people seemingly die prematurely, I've come to the conclusion that the purpose for their earthly lives had been fulfilled. That thought will transform you, I think. Consider that. They're taken too early. God knew. God knew exactly what was going to happen. We need to live in conformity to God's will. If I'm obeying Him and if I'm doing what He tells me to, step by step, and my uh, every day of my life, then when it comes time for me to die, I know this is just the next step in his will. John writes in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, he said, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Closing with this verse, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. It'll be up on the screen, I think. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou Thy seed may live forever this morning. May we perpetuate life eternally. May we perpetuate life physically. And may we continue to observe the sanctity of human life. I want to encourage you this morning. I prayed a lot for this message. I don't know if you can tell. I don't know how you would tell. Uh, I feel like I've stuttered and stammered through this and, and uh, tried to hold back emotions of, of anger and frustration and, and tried to show tender love and, 
and kindness the best that I know how. But I want to encourage you this morning, we still have this epidemic of abortion that is plaguing our nation, that is plaguing the world. We need light to shine. We need the light of the gospel to shine and to penetrate the hearts of man, to regenerate them. So we can think spiritually. A spiritual man doesn't think of, an unspiritual man doesn't think a clump of cells is a life. An unregenerate person hasn't come to the conclusion of where life begins. We need the gospel to infiltrate the hearts of this world. This morning, I want to encourage you to, to do what we can in prayer for the abolition of abortion. Let's bring it before the throne of God. Say, God, we confess the murder. God, I pray that you'd save the babies of the future. God, I pray that we'd eliminate it. We'd outlaw this thing once and for all. God, I pray that we'd be the voices that can't speak for themselves. Lord, I pray that we'd uphold righteousness. We'd perpetuate the sanctity of life in our lives. We consider this this morning. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to have a time of invitation. Our pianist makes her way. I want you to consider this day. Praise the Lord. We've got something on the calendar but it's just the beginning of what needs to happen. It's just the beginning of, of ending. It's horrific sin. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, I want to ask that you'd stand this morning. If you